Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's word which we receive with joyful hearts this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 to 25. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, in order that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, the light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat of Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. What does Jesus mean when he talks about the kingdom of God is at hand? The kingdom of God refers to his power at work in our lives. And the phrase at hand means that it is near not far away. His salvation is not distant or hard to find, but close at hand. It's right there for anyone who would have it. Jesus explains this with the first word of what he preached, repent. God's kingdom is there for all who repent and trust in him. You don't need to climb a mountain carrying a blue flower to find God's kingdom. You don't need super works of sainthood to enter into his kingdom. The door is at hand. Turn in repentance and look to Jesus and he welcomes you into his kingdom. This is the message that Jesus came to bring. This is the work that he came to do. Last week we talked about Jesus' baptism. And we saw what a powerful event that was. A reassurance of the forgiveness of all our sins. How it connects us to Jesus. But it was also Jesus' anointing. After his baptism, Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. And we'll talk about that more the first Sunday in Lent. But when he came back from that 40 days in the wilderness, he was ready. Ready to do the work of the ministry. Ready to do the work the Father had sent him to do. And the work of that ministry was one thing, one goal as we read in our text, to proclaim repentance. For the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near, near to you, near to all. 
Jesus called the four disciples in our text. What did he call them to do? He called them to proclaim that same simple message, that same gospel, that the kingdom of God is there, waiting for you, not hard to find. Jesus went forth and he healed the sick, he cleansed the lepers, he cast out demons. When we consider the story of the, you remember the lame man who was let down through the roof? Jesus shows us in that account that the purpose of these healings was to prove that he had the authority to forgive sins. Even the healing of the sick and the casting out of demons served the one goal, the one purpose that Jesus had, to proclaim repentance in his name, to proclaim that simple gospel message. Your sins are forgiven. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The message that Jesus brought, the message that he wants us to share is so simple. And yet, we have a tendency to make the work of ministry, witnessing about Jesus, a complicated thing. Hence the theme for today's sermon, Misconceptions of Mission Ministry. Obviously, I went for alliteration there over simple, uh, easy understanding. But the point is that we have a tendency to have misconceptions, misideas about what it takes to witness about Christ. And a lot of times those misunderstandings inhibit our opportunities to, to share Jesus, to share that light of the world that Jesus came to bring. So we're going to study three misconceptions this morning. Of course, there are a lot of others we could go into. Originally, I had seven written down, but I figured I'd better uh, pare it down a little. We're going to talk about three common misconceptions. The first one is that we very often forget what our goal is. We get distracted. We get distracted by thinking that our goal is to prove that abortion or homosexuality is sinful behavior. Oh, it's true that they are. Scripture is clear about that. These things are wrong and contrary to Scripture. And we need to be willing to, to stand up and confess that. But we also need to understand and remember that this is not our goal. Our goal is not to prove sin, but to call people to repentance, to, to move beyond the sin to the repentance that Jesus has come to bring. Sometimes we get distracted by trying to prove that our political party of choice is the only right political party, or <clears throat> get distracted by conversations about how old the earth is. Again, we know from God's word that he created the world about 6,000 years ago. But again, that's not our goal. Our goal is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus never takes his eyes or his focus off that goal. We see that in our text, and we see that throughout his ministry. When those men brought that woman caught in adultery to Jesus, he didn't get distracted by discussions of whether or not she should be stoned, did he? But he used it as an opportunity to call, to to call everybody present, not just the woman, but even the men who brought that woman. He called them all to repentance. 
whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And they slowly dropped their stones and went away, having examined and recognized their own sin. Or the Samaritan woman at the well. Again, Jesus didn't get distracted by over-focus on her past sins and the many husbands that she had had. He doesn't ignore her sin, but he moves beyond it to that call to repentance. He moves beyond it to that one goal of revealing to her that he is that living water who has come to refresh sinners like her and like us. We so often get caught up in the debate. We so often make proving we're right the goal of our mission outreach. But of course, that's not what is needed. What is needed is that simple gospel message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes, you are sinners. Yes, we are sinners. But Jesus came, and the kingdom of God is near to sinners. It's right there. Open the door and go in. Another misconception that we have is that we have a tendency to make it all about me. Make it all about my abilities or my lack of abilities. That's not something I can do. When Jesus calls the disciples in our text, you notice that they immediately leave everything and follow him. That simple statement that they left all to follow him is a witness to the power of God's calling, the power of God's word, that having received that call, they immediately just leave it all and follow him. But it's also a reminder that they had nothing, nothing of their old lives that was going to help in the the new work, the new ministry to which Christ was calling them. They had nothing to bring to Jesus. They come to him empty-handed, leaving behind their fishing boats and their fishing nets, yes, but also their pride, their arrogance, their own belief in themselves, coming to him as repentant sinners, asking Jesus to give them what they need. And Jesus continually promises throughout the Gospels. He continually reminds his disciples of that promise that he will provide, that he will open the scriptures to them, that he will fill them with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 7, 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Whatever you need for this work that I have set before you, I will give it to you. It's not something that comes from you. We have a tendency to to make it all about my abilities, my charm, my intelligence, my tactfulness. And sure, there's a a place for tact in the work of witnessing and the work of mission ministry. We don't want to stand outside somebody's window shouting fornicator into the night. That's not going to really accomplish much, right? But it's the tactfulness that comes from Christ. Not that there's a difference between the, the tactfulness of this world and the, the love of God that Paul is talking about when he says speaking the truth in love. It's that love that comes from Christ, that love for sinners, not, that, not anything that comes from ourselves. Because we so often make it about me, about my abilities or my lack of abilities, we often feel hesitant, afraid, timid. We often feel unfit and unworthy, and of course we do. 
Because if we're relying on our abilities, we are insufficient and unfit and unworthy for the work of the kingdom. Therefore, the disciples left all behind that Christ might give them what they need. Think of the, uh, the parable of the talents, right? The men don't come to Jesus with their talents and say, here are our talents for your work, O God. They come to Christ and he gives them talents to one five, to one two, and to one one. We come to Christ leaving behind ourselves and come to him in prayer, trusting him to give us the strength, the wisdom, whatever else we need for the work that he has set before us. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have spoken to you. We receive from Christ through our baptism, through the word that we hear on Sunday mornings and in our personal devotion. We are filled by him for the work that he has set before us. There is one thing we need. Coffee. Of course, not coffee, right? Just had to make sure you were awake. One thing we need is Jesus and his word. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And the third misconception we're going to talk about this morning is that we often think, well, let the professionals handle it. That's the pastor's job. We'll let him do it. You notice again in our text, Jesus doesn't go to the quote-unquote professionals, does he? He doesn't call the Pharisees and the Sadducees to be his disciples. He calls four fishermen to follow him. And very often in the Bible, we see that the, it's not the professionals who are some of the greatest missionaries. There's a little girl, the little slave girl, who told Naaman, there's a prophet in Israel who can heal your disease. There's the, the demon-possessed man. And Jesus cast out the demons, the legion of demons, and the man wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you stay here. And when Jesus came back to the region, he found many that had become his disciples through the witness of that demon-possessed man. Or one of my favorite accounts, John chapter 9, the man who is born blind. And he goes out to tell people about how Jesus had healed him and the Pharisees confront him. They don't like what he's saying. And he responds with that powerful witness. He says, I don't know about all that, those fancy arguments you're making, he says to them. But there's one thing I do know. I was blind and now I can see. There is a time and a place to say, well, <clears throat> you know, let's go ask the pastor about that. That's what your pastor is here for. That's, that's what I'm here for. But that's not the heart of witnessing. The true witness is not the ability to answer all questions. Even the pastor can't do that. God simply hasn't told us all things. The heart of witnessing is that simple confession about what Jesus has done for me. Just like that blind man one thing I know. So we share that with people. The one thing we know, the kingdom of God is at hand, it's nearby. We know how we were sinners, and yet Jesus died for our sins, and how we can enter the kingdom of God. We know how Jesus died for me. We know what Jesus has done for 
us. We share that simple message with others. One thing we need, it's not complicated. One thing we have to share, it's not difficult. Paul reminds us in 1 Timothy, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is a faithful saying. This is the one thing we know and can trust, even when we can't trust anything else in the world, who our Savior is and what he has done for us. That's the light that they saw. In in our Old Testament reading in Isaiah and in in our Gospel quoting Isaiah, those in Galilee have seen a great light. Those sitting in darkness have seen a great light. The light that they saw was not the miracles. It was that proclamation, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We have this light. We don't want to hoard it to ourselves. We want to share it. It's not complicated. Jesus came to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.